up? This is John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. If you are looking for a show that talks about complete athletic development, then you have come across the right show. So, if you are new to our show, we appreciate you joining, and here is the breakdown. Our show is a little bit different than the average podcast. We have three different types of episodes. Episode one, we are going to do Q&A. This is also our soup du jour and our ode to Dumb and Dumber. Um, we're big Dumb and Dumber guys. And uh, so that's kind of episode one. We will take your questions and we'll answer them. And uh, you can email those questions into us at info at elitelevelperformance.com or uh, hit us up on social media. We'll give out all those handles here at the end. Um, the second type of episode is going to be our Friday Fire. And Friday Fire is going to be about a 10-minute segment where I just go ahead and brain dump on you. Um, <clears throat> you guys know I'm pretty passionate about what we do, and so it may be some uh, entrepreneurship leadership advice. It may just um, be me telling you to get off your butt and get to the gym. And uh, usually I just drop some insight I feel like needs to, be, uh, needs to be said. And then our next episode is going to be your guest interview. And so our guest interviews, we will bring our colleagues on from across the country, honestly, man, across the world, and uh, hear their success stories, hear how they have uh, won and how they're helping their clients and their athletes win. And, you know, guys, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know that this show is all about winning. We are here to help give you the tools to win as the athlete, the client, you know, the parent, the coach. Like, that's our whole objective is to help you guys win. And so uh, it's pretty cool when we get some guest interviews on. And so um, today um, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Scarborough and Mandy. Good afternoon. Hello. Welcome. And then the final announcement. Now, I don't have to uh, make a grand announcement because you're probably already tuning in because you know who is on the show today. However, if you just clicked and missed it, I would like to introduce a dear friend of mine, honestly, a very good friend, somebody. Uh, him and I go way back, um, and uh, I, I'm very, uh, very proud of what he has built. Um, he is also, um, he has now claimed his company is an Inc. 5000 top one, top 500 company in the country, I believe. And this is the founder of NewFit, Mr. Newbie, Mr. Garrett Salpeter. Welcome to the show. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, John, Chris. Great to be here with you and Mandy, too. Which one of you is Lloyd and which one is Harry? Yeah. That's the question. <laughs> I asked that question before, too, Garrett. I was, uh, that's a little, uh, yeah, I still haven't gotten an answer, so. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be a I'm hard the, one. I'm the better looking one, but I don't have as much hair, so I'm not sure who that makes me. But Well, um, <laughs> well I feel like then you can't be Harry, because, you yeah. know, at least give you the little gap tooth and yeah. call it good. Yeah, you know, the first one was good, but the last one was kind of questionable. Like it, it was not, not, not a great, uh, great movie. But, um, but anyways, man. So uh, for those of you who don't know who Garrett Salpeter is, like I said, Garrett is the founder, uh, director, CEO of uh, of NewFit down in Austin, Texas. Um, you might have heard of the newbie and uh, everything that it does. You know, at ELP, we have uh, three of the units here. Uh, Chris, I know you've got a unit down in Birmingham. Yes, correct. correct. Yep, yep, love it. Cool. Cool, and and so yeah, Garrett, man, we appreciate you you coming on. It's a uh, uh, it's a pleasure to have you, dude. So yeah, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Uh, I have tremendous respect for for what you are doing in your businesses in in Memphis and and in Birmingham, and uh, I'm excited to, to be here and talk shop. Cool, man. So I mean, let's get after. It. Like I said, there's really no uh, no script to our show. I just I like this to be as authentic as possible. So um, part of the show is keeping me on track. Um, it doesn't help as I drink another uh, energy drink, but we'll try yeah. to keep me on track. And, you know, we'll just, we'll start out like Garrett, I mean, share, just uh, tell our audience a little bit about um, kind of new fit, what y'all's mission is uh, in case there's anybody listening who's not familiar with you guys. And then we'll kind of get into the backstory a little bit. So what is new fit and what's y'all's mission? What are you guys all about? I believe that the most powerful and transformative way to help people recover from pain and injury is to work with the nervous system. And so a big part of our mission is to bring neuroscience into daily practice in physical therapy and chiropractic and athletic training and in strength and conditioning. And the reason for that is I've seen the wide ranging impact that working with the nervous system can have in helping people recover faster from injury improve their performance, reverse chronic pain, restore function that they've lost because of strokes or MS or spinal cord injury. 
Um, not to mention the, the other health benefits because the nervous system controls all, all of the organs of the body. I mean, if you look at the most common lifestyle diseases that we have in our society today, we've got heart rate or heart, uh, blood pressure, cardiovascular issues. We've got digestive and waste elimination issues, elimination issues, fertility issues. All those organs are controlled and activated or not by the parasympathetic nervous system, the autonomic nervous system. And so it's just, I think, so often overlooked in, in the standard of care across all of these disciplines. And really, that's the, the biggest part of our mission. Of course, we, we use a tool, the newbie for neurobioelectric stimulator, and you know, we can get into what that does. But we use a direct current tool as one of our primary ways of communicating with and influencing the nervous system. And then we also, you know, in our certification courses, teach some manual activation techniques. We teach some different joint mobilizations. Um, you know, one interesting corollary to that, if we talk about the importance of the nervous system, is that joints are so much more neurologically rich than, say, muscles. And so moving joints and focusing more on joints than on stretching muscles often can be helpful and can lead to greater mobility changes, for example. So, um, it, you know, it leads us to to do some of the things that we do because working with the ner nervous system and influencing the nervous system is kind of our, our North star. Yeah. Cool. So let's, uh, let's go back to kind of, um, let's trace back probably, gosh, I don't know what year, 10, 15 years. I mean, I think you and I have known each other for about 10 years or so, um, you know, something like that. And, um, shoot, I remember, <coughs> Hey, Chris, too. Like I remember back when, um, doc had his, uh, his, um, like Facebook group, and, uh, you know, all of y'all commenting back and forth. And I think, Gary, that's how I first found out about you guys, uh, or at least you. Um, you know, I think you were probably getting started. And Chris, you know, that's how I kind of found out about you, too. Um, and I think that's how I ended up reaching out to you is I found you on, like, one of those um, blog posts, discussion boards that have been since removed. Oh, sure. Um, but, Garrett, yeah, but, but Garrett, so, like, what – we've known each other for a while, and I'm, I want to – I'm kind of – do this – episode like I don't know anything about the newbie at all and and so want to kind of keep it general to a degree but then maybe towards the end we can dig in a little bit deeper but tell everybody I mean how you got started like how, how did new fit get going like where did the idea come you know for you to develop the newbie and you know kind of go into that process a little bit so the first real catalyst was actually an experience I had back when I was in college so I was a division three ice hockey player I mean, I, I put my heart and soul into it, but, you know, honestly was never really that good. Uh, but but uh, I'm grateful for everything I learned and, and how it shaped my life, including this particular experience, which is I had an injury. I had some torn ligaments. I was supposed to be out for three plus months and, and have surgery. And I got introduced to functional neurology and direct current and using those two things. So functional neurology is so interesting because that's looking more at the software of the body, more you know, nervous system function as opposed to the hardware and the tissues that were damaged or broken. And I think that so many times in, in physical therapy, orthopedic medicine, et cetera, that we are enamored with and so focused on the tissues and, and kind of forget a lot about the functional component of that. And so by prioritizing right. function, by looking, at the, by looking at the neurological response to injury and trauma, uh, you know, we were able to, to set my body up to support it healing. And then and then implementing direct current was able to help uh, give that added stimulus to heal. And my ligaments healed on their own. I was, you know, I was back in two and a half weeks instead of three plus months. And it, it not only, not only did it, did it really excite me just because of the results, but it really, really created this calling within me because it also made sense to me from first principles. I was a physics major, I was going on to engineering graduate school. And with that engineering mindset, you know, there's, I do a lot of work in the physical therapy world now, even though I'm a non-clinician, we work a lot of colleagues and people that we work with, you know, in, in PT, but I think coming at it without that traditional PT training, you know, it has some pros and some cons, but I think having that engineering mindset, I think one of the blessings is that that mindset allows me to look at things from more of a kind of problem solving mentality and and build a you know a scientific case and this I was so excited about this because it made sense from first principles I felt like we were getting more more to the root of the the cause of why 
it takes so long to recover or why the body won't heal or why surgery is, is needed in cases where, you know, it might be borderline or, you know, might, you might not necessarily have to do it. So um, I was just going through this experience. I felt called to, to share this work with as many people as I could. I came down to Austin, uh, University of Texas, Hook'em Horns for engineering school. And, uh, and while I was here, I connected with a guy who was the chiropractor for the UT football team. And I started working out of his, out of his clinics. I had 150 square foot room starting out. This is, you know, now 14 years ago. Um, and so I started, you know, I started using older technology. I, you know, I did some training with, with our mutual friend, Dr. J and learned that learned the really in-depth functional neurology from him. Uh, and then hey, over the years, Doc is going to be on too yes. here in a couple of weeks. So yeah. yeah, perfect. I'm, I'm excited to listen to that one. So I I got to go up. I was in in Minnesota for something. I got to have dinner with him, spend a spend a you know half a day, spend an evening with him uh, up there and catch up. I hadn't seen him in several years. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, like you, you you're definitely like you guys, the three of y'all are definitely a, a way above me. Let's see, you're, you're an engineer. Let's see. Mandy uh, has a degree from Georgia Tech in computer engineering and a doctor in naturopathic medicine. Chris, you know, former physical therapist. And, and current, uh, and current moron. Management. But that's, uh, but that's uh, you know, but, you know, but, but along yeah. that line, Garrett, you know, think about what you said a minute ago. You're talking about how the joints are so much more rich, you know, I guess is the best way to say it, it, it neurologically rich. I, I can't remember the exact terminology you used, but, but if you were to uh, – do you see most of the way that you're that you're both training as whether it be for performance or, or for rehab or for whatever do you see it more now moving toward input based meaning um, input being like proprioception toward you know you're seeing a lot of these clinicians move toward the vestibular and the visual uh, input you know in in the way that they're like so not just not just treating the injured but also training for performance. Are you seeing that in your clinic as well, where things are moving more toward that input-based uh, uh, sensory, I guess you'd say sensory-based, and then letting the, the motor output part follow? Yeah, and I think that that's really one of the big, you know, underlying fundamental principles of our work at NewFit. And I, you know, I'd like to think we're helping to lead the conversation, lead the charge in that direction because uh, from my perspective at least so many of the traditional methods of, of rehabilitation and training are output output based you know it's hey run harder or, or jump jump you know put put out more effort or hey right. shift shift to the left because when you're at the bottom of your squat you're shifting to the right and you could you could do that over you know over thousands and thousands of repetitions to reprogram the motor pattern in that output based approach but you're going to have a lot of bad reps along the way. It's, you know, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle because there's some underlying pattern that's telling you to move over to the right side. And so if, if we can find the inputs, all of a sudden we may see someone without even thinking about it, shift back into a more neutral, more balanced position, you know, on, from one rep to the next. And you'll be like, Oh, Hey, it's neutral. And they'll be like, Oh, it just feels like, feels like normal now because maybe there was some, inhibition or excessive tension from it from an old injury on their um you know on their left side that they were trying to stay away from it or maybe maybe there was some hypersensitivity and and you know which leads to this you know perception of threat which leads to pain that was causing them not to not to want to load that side whatever it was if we can find those then we have an opportunity to make change a lot faster and it's <clears throat> i kind of i kind of i think this is you know, a, a really cool concept to talk about the difference between rehab and training. Cause in many ways I would advocate that they're the same, that we're really trying, you're trying to create tissue changes, improve coordination, function, performance. You're, you're trying to, you know, you, the goals really are, are the same, maybe just at different levels, but where to me, where, where the difference comes between, well, you know, and I'm going to interrupt you real quick there. And, and yep. because like, I agree, I, mean, I agree with you. And I mean, we're speaking the same language. Cause I mean, that's kind of one of the things that I, I, I thought when we started ELP years ago and like another note, like, <clears throat> and, and continue, but like, I think that 
that line particularly, like obviously we've got to be very respectful of that line, but you know, there are so many scenarios where people still come into a training standpoint are still, you know, dealing with pain, they're dealing with injury, you know, and, and I think it's very important for that segment, like the training, the strength and conditioning, the personal trainer, that segment of the industry to have a good understanding of, you know, kind of how to, how to blend it, so to speak, with the, you know, and of course staying within boundaries and lines and all that. And I think that's something like for the new fit and the newbie does a very great job of, like it's not designed to replace something, but it can definitely help assist and help a practitioner kind of, kind of bridge that gap a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so to, to Chris's point also about the, the kind of input based approach there, I kind of categorize the, the process that we go through with people into that, you know, two stages, the, the, the rehab and then, and training. And so for me, I would say that rehab is finding where any of this neurological response to injury and trauma is limiting performance, where the, the excessive tension and guarding and bracing or the, the inhibition, neurological inhibition or shutting down of muscles or that hypersensitivity that leads to pain where, where any of those are present and then finding the neurological commands to get back to baseline. And then from there, then once we get back to baseline, that person is capable of expressing whatever their current level of potential is. And then training to me is then lifting that, lifting that potential. So it's sort of like the, the rehab part would be if you have a, a six cylinder engine, you know, and you're injured, only three cylinders are firing. So rehab was like getting back to having all six cylinders firing. And then training would be like building two new cylinders to go to a V8 or something like that. And the interesting thing about the rehab phase is that sometimes these, these outcomes that we see will be miraculous. You know, we'll have someone come in. I know you guys have experiences like this, you know, on a regular basis, but we'll have an athlete come in, maybe a football player who had a uh, a grade two AC separation. They can't lift their arm more than 30 degrees and it's really painful. And in one session, their arm is all the way up overhead. And it's like, gosh, what, oh, yeah. what did, what did you do to me? Well, obviously in one session, the ligaments did not just all of a sudden heal back together, right? It wasn't a structural change. What happened was a functional change. They got back to their, their baseline. They tapped into potential for, for movement and, and activation and coordination and output that was already there, they were just blocking themselves from being able to express it. So that yeah. to me, so, that to so me is the reason. So with that right there, like, okay, for like a healthcare provider that who's, who's listening to this or somebody who's really, you know, trained in that respect, you know, when you're talking about, okay, you know, the AC joint, and then all of a sudden, you know, you go through a session and just everything unlocks and they've got better range of motion, like you said, the ligaments and all that, they're not healed yet. And so... How, how would you respond if somebody says, okay, well, we'll, you know, we say we eliminated kind of that perception of threat, got the body to kind of relax a little bit, but is there the chance that, you know, you've now, the, the body was shutting that down for a reason to protect it, and so by eliminating that perception of threat, could that be a negative, you know, and, and if, like, why not? That's, that's a great question because the body has all these built-in protective mechanisms and, and safety features and they are there for a reason. So excellent right. question. And of course, you know, first do no harm. We want to make sure that, that oh, yeah. what we're doing is not putting people at any sort of increased risk of injury, re-injury. And so, so it's a very important topic. And what we're doing, fortunately, is providing input, like Chris talked about this input-based approach, we're providing input to the brain so that it can recalibrate and find the appropriate level. Because so many times these safety mechanisms, these protective mechanisms, the, the tension, the inhibition, they're, they're, they're valuable, they're useful, but they're set too conservatively. And that's because of, because of injury and trauma, because of bad habits developed over time, because of the brain, you know, our brain's number one priority is survival and protection. So it wants us to do more, uh, sorry, it wants us to do less, not more. It wants uh, to make sure we don't move too fast or, or create too much tension or move too far because we could get injured. And then to the brain and the, the most you know, earliest evolutionarily speaking, survival oriented parts of the brain, that is, is literally a life or death proposition. So our brains want us to do less. And that is a, a big, a big part of the reason why over time, especially with bad habits, we get kind of lazy, those protective mechanisms adapt to the levels that we're at which we're using them. 
and so they get set too conservatively. So this gives us a chance to reset them, but they're still, we're not turning them off. We're just sending information to the brain so it can have a chance to, to recalibrate. And if, if, that, if in that case, the AC joint were, were just literally like that ligament were severed or it was, it was too severely damaged, we would not have seen as much progress. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that kind of com- comes up with another the question, or I mean, or more an explanation to, for the audience to hear you explain it is that is one of the things that makes the newbie so unique in its approach is the type of current is very harmonious with the body. I mean, would you say that? Or agree yeah, with that? yeah. So I would say that, and I would say that for a few reasons. The biggest is probably that it's direct current versus alternating current, and. And then there's other features of the waveform, like the exponential rise and fall, and th- you know that that most closely matches how charges move across neurological membranes in the body. And so it is harmonious. Easy, don't use big words here. Don't use big words. <laughs> Slow it down for me. <laughs> so, so basically, it, it it's the, the whole signal is interpreted as mu- as closely as any outside signal could be, as closely as possible to whatever signals are happening in in the body normally. And so, right, and that's a huge difference between DC and AC current, you know, whereas that AC is going to be working more on that superficial nerve level, you know, and kind of eliciting a protective response, whereas DC and like the newbie is actually kind of harmonious and it's, you know, kind of trying to relax things a little bit more rather than initiate so even more let, protection. I've got, I've got a kind yeah. of follow-up question along that line. Is it, so I know that your organization has recently uh, been involved in a lot of this, uh, like, hypertrophy muscle okay making muscles bigger <laughs> try to keep it simple right making muscles bigger <laughs> yes well, that is the tagline of the show chris education's important the, yeah, important yes important. absolutely <laughs> coming from uh yeah so <laughs> okay i think you're lloyd i think we just determined it <laughs> so, so we got so we're after you know we got these big muscles we're trying to get these big muscles right so your organization new fit is now kind of on the forefront of using this DC current to, in order to do that. So my question is, do you feel like it's that DC current in, in the, the eccentric, you know, in the training of the eccentric part of the, of the, um, you know, the muscle, you know, making them, you know, must making the muscle strong at length. Does that have a, 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 does that have a big component as far as the, the muscle mass is—is is that the reason why someone can't just go get a, you know, a tens unit, crank it up, and make their muscles grow bigger? What what is it about DC current in 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 particular that allows for this muscle mass gain, or you know, where you can't get it with say, you know, that that Russian stem, or you can't get it with that, uh, like I said, that tens unit? Um, is it is it that eccentric component to? Uh, well, I'm trying to trying to look at the, find the right words. The eccentric component to the to the DC current is that is that the trick or is that the? So so that's definitely part of it. There's a few factors. I think first, just for context, it's helpful to say, you know, you, you mentioned that that at NewFit we're, you know, leaders or you know some you know are doing some work in the in the use of electrical stimulation for muscle hypertrophy. So we have one peer-reviewed journal article published, and the second one about to be published, both looking at this thing, comparing using the newbie. So using the newbie on one arm, for example, just doing doing bicep curls with the pads on, but no external weight at all versus something like 75% of one rep max in the other arm. So newbie with no load versus traditional weightlifting or resistance exercise. And the first study looked at the acute response, which is what's happening immediately after in the 24 and 48 hours after. So we're looking at, at fatigue, and soreness, which are proxies for the degree of depletion of the muscular structures. Uh, we're looking at, looking by ultrasound imaging, looking at fluid movement. So like when you get a pump after a workout, some of that is actually good because that means that fluid has moved. So there's the extracellular fluid like blood plasma flowing around in the body. After a workout, you want to see some of that get taken up into the muscle cells. Those muscle cells, you want them to swell because that means they're literally trying to soak up so like in, hey, in rep- blood. Hey, repeat that real quick, Garrett. You cut out. Repeat that. Oh shoot, sorry. So uh, no, you're good. So the so in so in blood, there's the red blood cells that carry oxygen, and then there's the blood plasma that carries other 
the other nutrients and like proteins and building blocks, raw materials to, to repair structures and things like that. And the, the muscle cells after a workout, you want to see them swell because they're kind of like sucking up or soaking up some of that blood plasma, that fluid. And so we looked on ultrasound and saw after a newbie workout, just as much muscle cell swelling as after traditional resistance exercise. And so that tells us that a similar type of effect is happening. And then the second study about to be published, so I don't know if I can share all the details, but, but basically took that and looked at, uh, so the first one was the acute phase. Then it was what happens over a full six to eight week training cycle, comparing muscle growth using just the newbie on one leg for knee extensions in the quad compared to uh, traditional resistance exercise, you know, 75 to 80% one rep max on the other leg. And the spoiler alert, or, you know, the summary is that we saw very similar amounts of muscle growth there. So, so there is, you know, objectively scientifically measured, um, an effect on, on muscle growth or, uh, or hypertrophy or biceps bigger. <laughs> Big and, biceps. <laughs> bigger. Yeah. Now is Dr. Buckner, is he, is he heading that research up? That's right. Yep. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, I, yeah. I really like. I read the first study when you released it, and actually, I, I got in touch with Dr. Buckner a little bit, and um, I think he's doing some really great stuff with the newbie. It's so cool yeah. to have that type of information with it. You know. um, yeah. So, so he basically, is. A, I want to look like Brad Rose. What I'm saying, um, you know, I, I need to look like Brad. <laughs> oh yeah. So Brad, Brad's great. So he, so Brad Rowe, for anyone who doesn't know, is a former. He's now a retired professional bodybuilder. And he's been working using the newbie out in LA, um, collaborating with a few different medical professionals. Um, so he's been using it to help people rehab, helping train. So he's worked with a few bodybuilders. He helped Dexter Jackson, who yeah. competed in Mr. Olympia at, at age 50. So after his legs had started to atrophy a little bit and people thought, okay, he's lost his legs, he's done for. Brad trained him and he did he did just one leg session a week for 12 or six, whatever number of weeks it was leading up to Olympia. And if you look at the before and after, his legs were were noticeably you know, oh, yeah. bigger, more defined. Oh, he and, good. And I remember he, the show, yeah. And he, and he came in fourth place at age 50 on the Mr. Olympia stage. I remember. So. I was watching it. Like, yeah, I mean, because I'm kind of a bodybuilding dork. Like, that's kind of a passion of mine you know i, I want to follow up on, on the bodybuilding side of it because uh we actually we've trained we've trained two people help them get their ifbb pro card including our, our physical therapist cindy uh cindy Cotty. um she got her ifbb pro card and so the bodybuilding side of it is, is very intriguing um to me as well and you know i know um you know one of the things that you and i've talked about a little bit before garrett and i think brad's mentioned at some point um, it's just kind of the, the metabolic response um, and kind of trying to, to dial in a little bit more how the how the newbie's truly impacting the body, me, you know, metabolically. Like, I don't want to get too deep into it as far as, like, really training for a show, like you're really dieting down and trying to figure out how to tweak everything the right way. But what what can you say about how the newbie impacts things from a metabolic standpoint, particularly the, uh, the bodybuilding and uh, – and what it requires additionally out of the system. That yeah, that's sense. an excellent question. I, um, I just want to make sure we touch on, I, I don't want to, I want to make sure I don't, didn't avoid Chris's question. So in terms of the direct no. current and how it affects the muscles, cause I think it plays into this too. So, so one of the cool things about that direct current. So, and one of the things that I did actually in the process of going through all the iterations of, of working with our engineering team and creating the newbie is if you have the newbie on, and you turn it up to some of these really high levels, it'll feel it'll feel really intense, right. but you're still able to move through it. And then if you take an alternating current device, you can do the same level of current on the opposite arm. And as that signal goes back and forth, positive, negative, positive, negative, you get that agonist, antagonist, agonist, antagonist, co-contraction. At the same level of current, you'll right. actually be locked up. So in that one, mm -hmm. so with the newbie, with the newbie, you can get that high input, high load, and also move through it. So yes, Chris, you get those high load eccentric contractions. And there are some some really good studies that show that training muscles at greater lengths allow for greater muscle growth benefits. So so training your triceps up here as opposed right. to right here or something something like that. Or you know there's there's a couple different studies around that. So so yeah, I think that absolutely is is a big part of it. I think some of it has to do with the the depth of penetration and, and being able to get more motor units. Also, just the quantity of, of motor unit recruitment, I think is part of it. Uh, and then to, to John's point, the metabolic demands, 
I think it's an example of, I mean, I th there's, there's research about how like after high intensity interval training, like after HIIT workouts, people will have this epoch exercise, uh, excess post exercise oxygen consumption, right? You'll continue to burn calories at a greater rate. Your metabolic rate will increase as you recover from that exercise. And I think that the, the same sort of thing is happening after we use the newbie because it's so stimulating and because there's so much, so much more neurological input, the brain really truly understands, Hey, we had something happen here. Hey, we really need to shift more fully and more completely into a parasympathetic dominant mode. Hey, we need to trigger a greater sense of hunger or, Hey, we need to make sure that we feel sleepier tonight so that we can go, go get enough sleep to, to really repair and rebuild so that we can come back stronger to meet that same challenge the next time. So we see often people will have after a newbie session, a greater increase Boy, in appetite they or they'll, they'll, they might <laughs> yeah. feel sleepier or yeah, yeah. might feel yeah. sleepier earlier. And those are all signs that, that the brain understands, Hey, something happened here. Hey, we really need to adapt and respond to this. And so it triggers all these different different autonomic activities and these, these drives yeah, I mean, and motivations. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I tell everybody first, the first time you use this thing, number one, the first thing you're going to feel is hungry. And then the second thing you're going to feel is sleepy sooner than, than normal, just so they know what to expect. That's exactly what it's virtually 100% across the board is that, you know, Hey, I, I've, I've stimulated something here. I need to recover. But, Kind of along that same line, exactly. you know, we just, I know I asked you about uh, muscle hypertrophy a minute ago, but what about speed? Because you had, and by the way, I'm not trying to give away all, awesome course. Garrett has an awesome course, so I don't want to like give away, you know, I don't want you to give away all, all the great information in that course, but. We don't run we ads were, on the yes, show, but if we yeah. were to run an ad on the show, okay. Yes, they're all. Awesome. You might want to check so out some of these courses. The question is, though, <laughs> what are some of your correlations with, say, speed training? Because, I mean, that's one thing that every single, every person who comes to me wants to get faster. Now, they want to be bigger, too, which is a little bit, <laughs> but they will look good while they run faster. How about that? But they, but there's, I know that there's, a, a, there's not, not necessarily, um, an intuitive uh, correlation between like a setting we might use for training someone for speed and someone that we might be training someone for rehab. What, what, what is, uh, what's some of the theories behind that, behind training for someone for speed? That's a great topic. And I think there's, I think there's two components to this, just like how we broke up the, the rehab phase and the training phase, for example. So sometimes just doing the the quote unquote rehab phase, you know, finding these hot spots or neurological guarding and protection, you know, that we do with mapping around on the body with the newbie. Sometimes finding those without you know without trying to get faster leads to people getting faster because you're eliminating the impediment. You're getting rid of the reason why they were slower in the first place. They had potential for greater speed. They just couldn't, their brain was preventing them from expressing it because they thought they might get hurt or they thought it might be dangerous somehow to, to run faster to express their full capability. So sometimes it happens as, a, and those are cool because it you know feels like a, feels like a, like a miracle or something. But uh, the, 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 so I, I, I mentioned that because if someone comes in for speed training, I would certainly recommend starting with a full assessment as if you were working with an injured patient who's, who's trying to rehab from some sort of injury, because even if they're not injured or they don't have symptoms, they likely will have some, some compensatory movement patterns, some, you know, neurological limitations. And sometimes working on those from a rehab perspective will increase speed, even as like a, just a wonderful side effect. So I would, I would start there. Uh, and then once we've worked through those, you know, those rehabilitation milestones then, and, and then we transition into the training where, you know, the person is at their, they've kind of reached their current level of potential. And then we're trying to build, build the engine or build the capability greater. Um, using, using the newbie for speed. There's a couple different approaches that I like. First of all, to, to understand it, I think we have to understand what really determines speed for an athlete and the Soviets did some really good work on this. They tried to figure out what was the difference between their best performing athletes and 
and the ones that were you know a little bit less effective, the ones that didn't quite make the national level or regional level. And I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> no, please go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so, the, so a lot of people thought that it would be strength or the ability con to contract, and I, I think that was second place. But first place by a by a wide margin was the ability to relax muscles. It was how quickly they could relax from full contraction to full relaxation. And that speaks to the limiting factor being excess tension and, and the body resisting its own movement. Like if you were driving your car, holding the brake while you're trying to hit the throttle, you're going to be slowing yourself down. And so, so doing work with the, the newbie at, at our kind of our you know, more common default settings can be helpful because we're training the body to preferentially relax and lengthen muscles, creating these inputs that allow that to happen for a variety of reasons. Uh, and then there's, there's another approach that I like as kind of a, as kind of a warm up where we actually would, would turn down the frequency. So it's coming much, sl much slower impulses like on, off, on, off five to 10, maybe per second. And what's cool about that is that you actually entrain this rhythm within the nervous system where you're teaching the body to turn on and then off and on and off. And there's enough time in between for the individual muscle twitches and, and motor units to relax in between those contractions. So you can kind of entrain the nervous system to turn on and off and on and off and on and off faster. Um, so I like doing that. If we're training speed, if you have the newbie on and you're past a motor contraction threshold, you'll actually be slowing down movement. It'll be like having resistance on while you're moving. And so you, 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 there's, there's a time and a place for that, but if you're trying to train speed, specificity of adaptation is paramount. And so you don't want to do anything that's going to cause you to move slower. So I often would recommend doing that as kind of a warm up or a neurological priming, and then go into your more speed based movements. And if you're able to, to move half a percent to two or 3% faster while you're doing that, then you have a chance to adapt to that new motor program and a chance to adapt to moving faster in a more sustainable way. I'm here. Can you hear me okay? Chris, you there? If we may. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got you. Yeah. Um, no, that was pretty much, uh, that. that's, that's kind of what I was thinking because, you know, so much of, of what you know, I run my business on is, has a lot to do with not just amount of, of force production, but also that on, we call it the on off switch. Um, turn the muscle on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, you know, repetitively. And so that's why that is of such interest to me and, and it, the way that I go about developing athletes and what, what was so intriguing to me about Garrett's system. So yeah, that's, that pretty much falls in line with what I was, what I was thinking. Awesome. Yeah. And I, one of the things that I, that I just think is kind of an important piece to add is you guys do a lot and know a lot about, about, you know, speed, strength, strength, speed, strength, speed training. And, and you have these wonderful methods for doing that. And so this isn't meant to replace that by any means. It's meant to augment it, try to amp up the nervous system so that you can get the most out of your athletes when you're going through those wonderful methods and take something that's good and, and hopefully make it even more effective so they can get even more out of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes a significant difference. Um, you know, and I think the, the recovery side is, you know, is important too. So, you know, for our athletes listening, like, yeah, you know, we, we do this with you guys, but you have to understand like Gary was talking about earlier, the metabolic demand that's also created as well. Like, you know, yeah, you can stimulate a lot of, a lot of great stuff, but you got to make sure you're recovering, um, in the process and the newbie can help with that too. Um, Chris, did you have, uh, did you have any other follow-up on that? Uh, cause I know I had, Wanna, I, I no, man, go I for it. Get into with uh, with Garrett. So one of the Garrett, one of the more interesting things uh, that I really really like about the newbie um, is the the ability for it to utilize frequency specific microcurrent. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of microcurrent. Um, I think Dr. McMacken is a brilliant woman. Um, you know, I, I think there I think it's awesome and it's a really really cool tool. Um, would you speak on frequency-specific frequency microcurrent um, and your experience and how you like to implement it? And i got a couple questions to follow up on with that, too. This is, is really interesting because it 
speaks to a lot of the, I mean, really resonates with me, pun intended, as a, as a physics major and as a, you know, engineer and, and that type of thing, because it, it uses the electrical phenomenon of resonance. So I, I have my, I don't know if pe people are watching this, you'll see I have my car key here. So if I hit my, the unlock button to my car, it's going to unlock my car, but not if John's car and Chris's car and Mandy's car are in the parking lot, it's not going to unlock your car because the signal from my key is going to resonate with or, or speak only to my car. And similarly, uh, that's like how a radio works. If you tune to 100.3, it's going to pick up what's on that station, not the other stations. And so the same thing can happen where if we send a signal into the body of a certain frequency, it may preferentially resonate with certain tissue like, you know, liver or ligament or cartilage or skin or connective tissue or peripheral nerve, fascia, etc. So there's actually uh, these these codes or, you know, this established list of frequencies that Dr. McMakin has been a champion of. Um, she's got a, a great book called Resonance that kind of brings this in, or a resonance effect, brings yeah, this in awesome really good kind of narrative form, but also, you know, interesting enough for, uh, you know, for a clinician to read too. Uh, and that, you know, gives all these, all these wonderful examples, but where, where it's really helpful we've seen is in trying to preferentially deliver energy to certain tissues to to facilitate or accelerate their healing um, and then there also there's also some kind of more specific niche applications like there's certain combinations of frequencies that can help with scar tissue and so sometimes chronic pain that we think is more of an orthopedic thing can actually be scar tissue uh, adhesions around a peripheral nerve, for example, some sort of impingement, entrapment, adhesion. And so using the frequencies that would specifically resonate with and help break up scar tissue around those peripheral nerves can have, you know, if you, if you hit the nail on the head, you can see these profound effects. Like if you pick the right hotspots with the newbie, you can see these amazing, you know, just unexpectedly, seemingly miraculous changes. Same thing, if you, if you pick the right frequencies, you can see some really cool changes in people. Um, so that's the frequency component. The microcurrent component is interesting because most of the work that we do with the newbie is at a, a macrocurrent or a higher level where you, you definitely feel it. In fact, you actually, you know, it's like progressive overload for the nerves. You try to overload your muscles so they grow. You try to overload the nerves so they can grow and adapt and, and change and tap into the power of neuroplasticity. So not only do you feel it, but we often push outside of the comfort zone where it's productively uncomfortable Sometimes you have to be outside your comfort zone in order to make changes in life. I think, you know, that applies across a lot of disciplines. But with microcurrent, you're actually below the sensory threshold. You're at these lower levels. And one interesting thing that happens there is that you actually get an increase in ATP, whereas at, at higher levels, you're, you're a lot of challenge. You, you may diminish ATP perhaps faster than you're, than you're making it. But with these, you, you stimulate an increase in ATP production. And then there's some subtle, more subtle effects uh, I don't know if, if you, you guys have both read yes. The Body Electric, yes. right? Robert Becker. Um, yeah. and so there's also some really, really interesting effects on the perineural system, which is like the, the, the connective tissue scaffolding around the nerve. So there's, of course, the nerves that send these signals like, like uh, elect electricity flowing on a, on a wire. And then there's the more like a semiconductor. So not like a conductive wire, but like a semiconductor, different properties in this perineural system. And so... Uh, it seems like we're also getting some effects there. Um, but, uh, you know, if anyone wants a deeper dive in that, I certainly would refer them to Dr. McMakin. We introduce it. We have a level two course where we introduce frequency-specific microcurrent. And as you said, John, we certainly use that with the newbie. And I think that's one of the additional features that helps differentiate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it really is a game changer, and it's, it's something really special, um, you know, for sure. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that uh, you know Mandy and I have started working on a little bit is actually um, you know using this on our horse as well, our horses to help them. And uh, you know we are uh, we're, we've seen some great success. Um, you know how much how much information you know is out there about um, direct current or electrical current in use with horses or dogs. So I don't know that literature super well, uh, and I, I, you know, I, can't, I can't say a ton about what literature there is on the use, but a, a lot of what we 
draw from or a lot of the foundational literature that shows us the benefits of direct current on tissue healing are actually in animal models. So there's some work on, on mice, on rabbits, on dogs. So actually that, that there is you know, certainly some overlap there. Uh, in, terms of, in terms of working with animals generally, we have a few veterinarians that, that have devices and are doing a little bit of work. Um, I know, I think you talked with at least one person on our team and kind of compared some notes yeah. Because we've had some, you know, had some kind of cool success stories. It hasn't been a major area of our practice, but gosh, it's it's really rewarding to see a, a dog or a horse that's hobbling around or can't move, you know, be able to get up and start running again, or just or be be more active, or, or you know, visibly you can tell they're they're out of pain uh, or have significantly reduced pain. So there's really cool, really cool opportunities there, and I think the mechanisms are the same. The trick is that you just you can't necessarily communicate with them in the same way we can with a human, where a human, we can say, Hey, this is going to hurt, but it's good for you. So you need to power through it. We need, you know, we need to be a little more gentle with the animals because you don't necessarily want to hurt them or startle them. You want to be able to kind of work with them and ramp up more slowly. But, uh, it's amazing. Like we have, you know, for, for people, some, for some people, it seems like an insurmountable challenge to turn the newbie up to 100 and, you know, there, of course, there are there are people that do it that we've all seen. But um, you can even with animals where you're having, you haven't treated them more conservatively, we've seen animals get up to 100. And part of it may be the size and the conductivity, but part of it also is probably the lack of, you know, intellectualizing and and fear-based resistance and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I agree some with that. Yeah. Or preconceived notions about things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the mental side of it's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. we've we've had great success, and I mean, we've been open about that. You know, try, you know, looking for you know veterinarians in the area that we can work with to help you know bring this to you know our community. But from our, our family standpoint, I mean, what I find very interesting is it is it is very the response is extremely quick, and it's it's tremendously impactful. I mean, we're talking like two sessions, if that. And I mean, you say you t you know you've heard them take it up to a hundred. I. I've never even gone up that high whatsoever. I mean, I'm usually getting just above, you know, 15-ish, you know, just a little bit. And it's still having a major impact um, on, on them. So I really do think it's a great area. At least I know something I'm very passionate about, um, you know, for sure. It's made a huge difference. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's something that I think there's a really tremendous opportunity. And for people who are passionate about working with animals, uh, we, you know, would love to love to work together and explore more of those avenues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love, I just, I've, I've really come to enjoy it. Cause just like you guys are saying, you know, animals are very honest, you know, they don't, they don't, you know, if something feels good, you know it and you can immediately see, you know, for instance, we're working on um, the front leg of our horse and before we start, he doesn't have any weight on it he's got it pointed. He's got his weight shifted and, and over the course of the treatment, you can visibly see him shift his weight into the leg. There's no more favoring of that. And, and, and so it's like, you know, a human might be afraid to use that leg or that arm because, oh, it hurt before. Animals aren't like that. They're like, okay, well, that doesn't hurt anymore, so now I'm going to use it. And so it's, like you said, it's really, it's, it's rewarding to be able to the, pro, the pros and cons of our, of our <laughs> you know, intellectual, the extra cortical function that we have here sometimes right. you know does a lot of good but sometimes it stands in the way too and they don't they don't have as much of that right <laughs> yeah so um <clears throat> excuse me so yeah I, I mean new fit and the newbie has you know become an integral part of of elp and you know we've we've gone uh, you know you and i go back you know a ways and you know it's uh i, I just want to say like how grateful we are to you know have a good relationship with you guys and and uh, just how thankful we are for everything that you guys have done. Um, I mean, you guys have really put a lot of time, energy, money into all this. And, um, and it's impacted, you know, thousands and thousands of lives. And, you know, I know I speak on behalf of, you know, a lot of our clients as well. You know, and saying thanks, man, for all the work that you guys have done. Because, you know, you've really made an impact. And uh, it's awesome, man. It's really yeah, great. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that very much. And it's a mutual admiration society here. I'm, I'm just super grateful to be able to work with, with you, with, with all three of you. And, um, it's, it's just, it's been so cool to see, you know, as things grow, how people are not only able to get the same types of 
of benefits and outcomes that we see here in Austin, you know, but in their communities and people we'd never be able to reach. But then to be able to take it to to new levels. I mean, you'll do more with horses because you're passionate about it. And some people work more with elderly patients, some more with pediatrics, some more with different neurological diseases and conditions because they're passionate about it. And, and to be able to see kind of the breadth of impact grow through that also has been just so, so wonderful and exciting and, and, you know, rewarding, gratifying. I mean, it's been, it's been great. So you guys are a part of that and I appreciate you. Oh, heck yeah, man. Well, we'll uh, we're going to wrap this up uh, for the day. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, we're able to do this again soon and, uh, and, and keep digging into a little bit more, uh, a little bit more information on it. But Garrett, uh, you know, in the, in the meantime, where can, uh, where can people find you guys? So, two places one is uh our website and then social media so on the the website is www.new.fit n-e-u like neurological.fit and social media we're most active on instagram it's new fit rfp for rehab fitness and performance uh and then i'll mention also this is a copy of my book the new fit method so if anyone if anyone wants a deeper dive uh, it's on Amazon, and that's a, a good place to go and learn more. I'll be in the next couple months recording an audio book too, so gotta kind of work on my, nice. my vocal vocal training here. I gotta take some lessons I'm an from audio you, John. Book person, so. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Yeah. Actually, that's maybe great. I'll have Chris. Maybe I'll have Chris narrate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should. I, I don't. Th- I don't know if I'd be a good fit. I don't think I could stay focused long enough to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll gracefully bow out. Um, but man, look, we, hey, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for everything you've done. We're definitely gonna have to do this again. And as I tell everybody at the end of the show, remember our goal in this is to help our community and our country win. Like our, we, Garrett's all the way down in Texas. You know, we're, we're trying to, you know, get the knowledge out to everybody and share that and help, and help everybody win and help, uh, you know, just, just help everybody grow. Cause that's what it's all about. So I ask that you please share the show. Um, you know, we don't run ads. We don't do anything like that. Just please share the show and just help spread the message so we can keep this up and we can continue to connect with guys like Garrett and others across the country that are really doing some special stuff. Um, so please share the show guys. Um, that's going to wrap it up today. Garrett, thank you again for coming on. Yeah, we are very you. appreciative, man. And, uh, you guys have a great day. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And we will talk to y'all soon. Thank you. See ya.